welcome to Second Time Around, the show that asks the question, is the sequel better? Here to find out with me today, my number two, Brian Rodriguez. Thank you for joining me, Brian. So great to be back here again. Love this pod, love sequels. We're talking a sequel of one of my favorite movies of all time, so excited to be here. Mine too. So let's get into it. Today we are talking Jaws 2, not directed by Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Brian, have you ever seen this movie before? And if so, what are your thoughts about it? So I've avoided the Jaws sequels like the plague. I have seen the end of this movie. I caught it on TV. Um, I think I saw the end of this movie before I even saw Jaws. Growing up, my mom was always like, don't watch the Jaws sequels. They're all terrible. So... I just never did. Okay. Like when I was growing up, I got Jaws 1 and 2 combined. And I was a very confused young boy on uh, that had HBO. And they would run these movies all the time. And I could never tell which movie was which until I was quite older. But I wanted to talk about Jaws 2 today for several reasons. One... I feel like it's underrated. I feel like a lot of people uh, have not given it a fair shot. I feel like there are a lot of people out there, not just people like our parents, Brian, but like cinephiles and so forth that say steer clear of the Jaws sequels. They're not worthy. And I hopefully want to put some of that talk to rest if possible. I, I quite enjoy the Jaws sequel, and I enjoy the rest of them, you know, in their own way. But I honestly believe uh, that this movie is pretty good. I think it's cool. So I'd like to just, I guess, start there. For me, like, I'm a huge Jaws fan. I hold that movie in such regard, such reverence, that I think it's easier for you, Mike, who have, like, confused them when you were young and seen them probably all around the same time, or at least, you know, most of them, and where they just felt like a series to you. For me, I had trouble with this one because like the first Jaws, the Spielberg Jaws, is so perfect to me that it's hard to step down to just a B-movie. You know, I love B-movies. We talk about B-movies all the time. But this would be like, the to me, it's like the equivalent of if The Godfather 2 was even something like, I don't know, Carlito's Way, right? Which is an okay movie, a good movie, but it's not Godfather level, right? This is a big step down from Jaws. It doesn't make it necessarily a bad film. But it's just a big step down from Jaws, in my opinion. Okay, I don't disagree with that. I can understand that this is a lesser film on a lot of levels. Production quality, director quality, you know, all of those things are contributing factors. But you mentioned one thing that really struck a chord with me uh, when I was watching this a couple of years ago, and you said B-movie, okay? And like Jaws 1 ushered in the age of the blockbuster, right? With Star Wars and Jaws and Spielberg and Lucas and them, and even Godfather to a degree is a dramatic blockbuster in a lot of ways. Yeah. You know, this movie is very much more in line with what you would probably find at the drive-in late at night for for teenagers. And it's funny because I feel like it might be responsible for a certain trend that is on the cusp of the 80s that are on their way. I used to think this movie came out much later than it did. I thought this movie came out after Friday the 13th. This movie to me feels almost like Friday the 13th on water at times. It feels like a stalker slasher shark this time around. I thought it was taking those influences from movies like Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, etc. But it seems like this movie came a little bit before that. I'm almost wondering if the B-movie trend of Jaws 2 influenced a lot of that B-movie slasher horror that is on its way. I mean, it's possible. It definitely feels like it fits in that realm, right? And it feels like, I like how you brought up the horror thing, because it does feel like that, you know, Friday the 13th. 
for example. Amazing first film. I'm not saying the other ones are worse, but like I feel like the mainstream comes in at the first one in a lot of horror films. And then the diehards are the ones that stay for the sequels, right? Jaws doesn't get enough respect in the horror community. When people think greatest horror films of all times, no one thinks of Jaws in the Jaws series. It feels a little bit different. It's not a slasher in the traditional sense. And also, when people say greatest monster movies of all time, people don't bring up Jaws. And Jaws is a universal monster, so possibly belongs in the pantheon of universal (laughs) horror. Because it's just, it's like, it's not a creature. It is a creature, but it's like a real thing, you know? It's like animal movies. Like, maybe you and another guest, or maybe you should get an animal expert to do, like, Jaws and Anaconda and all the other animal films. There's a few of them. There's a bunch. I feel the same way about Jaws in relation to being considered true horror. I think it is what you might refer to today as something like elevated horror. Back in the day, before that term existed, before it needed to exist, etc., etc. I was looking back on Jaws 1 recently, and it plays way darker to me as an adult. It feels very Lovecraftian. Uh, the themes are, are very in line with stuff like those types of horror stories. You have the outsider, Brody, coming into a seaside town very lovecraftian rejected by all the weird locals no one believes them and there is a quasi supernatural menace out in the middle of the sea you know i'm just very surprised that no one uh draws those parallels more often when when talking about jaws because it further cements it in the horror genre for me as opposed to being somewhat of more of just like people may consider it a drama even yeah, I mean, I'm in agreement with that. I wish I had the nostalgia for this film that you probably do. It doesn't live up to Jaws for me. I, I need to probably watch it again. This was my first watch. It, maybe if it was in a more of a drive-in setting, maybe if it was a summer. I mean, this movie, the best tagline for a sequel ever, maybe. Just when you thought it was safe to get back in the water. So amazing. So classic. I could imagine, too, I'm trying to put myself in the 70s now again. I know you were not, you know, a child of the 70s either, so I understand. But I'm trying to put myself in the 70s, right? Like, Jaws comes out. It's the big summer blockbuster, as you said. It's like, it defines what that term means. And at that time, not a lot of sequels, right? Of course, Godfather 2 and, you know, things here and there. But you had stuff like James Bond, Planet of the Apes. They were series and they were sort of prefabricated and planned out to be that way but yes the sequel was was more or less rare rare so could you imagine you have that summer of jaws or maybe you even missed it right my mom's the oldest of five and at least her two youngest siblings the first movie they ever saw in the theater was return of the jedi without seeing the first two star wars films and they enjoyed it but that's like unfathomable today in context right but i could imagine for a lot of people who maybe they were too young for the first jaws they probably could catch it on a matinee somewhere or like again in the summer when they were rerunning films i could see them getting excited for that trailer you know the john williams sound and the fact that oh we're getting another jaws what i think the director took a misstep if we're gonna get into it i mean maybe i'm wrong here mike but the shark there's not the same kind of suspense in Jaws 1. I get it, maybe because we know we already see what the shark looks like, right? But like right away, we get the shark here, and it feels like a continuation of the first film. And I think he dropped the ball a little bit because I would have liked to have just seen like a bit of a reset of that. I could watch Jaws a hundred times. I know what the shark looks like. You know what I mean? That's not the surprise. That's not why I watched Jaws. I love it for the way that Spielberg is crafting this 
this like the mystery of the shark and and just the horror of it all right like i'm not a fan of what's this director's name uh jeanot giswart <laughs> okay I, i'm not the, a big fan of jeanot giswart's um idea to just be like all right you know jaws we're here let's just pick it up from where we left off I don't love that either, you know? I can't say that I like that, but but I'm not looking for this movie to necessarily live up to Jaws 1. It's in its way, sequels around this time to me feel in a lot of ways, like you said, like, oh, you missed Jaws? Well, here's Jaws 2 because there's no VHS and it's not playing anywhere anymore. And like, so we're on to this and you missed Jaws 2, here's Jaws 3. I, I definitely hear where you're coming from with the suspense. Uh, the director specifically said, yes, we've seen the shark. We are going to see way more of it in this movie from the beginning. You know, Spielberg crafted that amazing suspense out of necessity. Okay. And like, you know, not that he doesn't deserve the credit for it, or, but like they had a working shark here. So he really wanted to use it, you know, and they went kind of overboard trying to craft other very difficult shots with other types of camera rigs that, you know, ended up not being exactly so successful. You know, it is very interesting how it feels like a mimic. If you catch my drift, like it feels like he's trying to direct like Spielberg would direct this movie. Like the first Jaws was instead of really kind of going out and making the movie his own and putting his own stamp on it. It kind of seems like the producers were like that. You're straying too far from the look of Jaws. You're straying too far from the feel of Jaws. The most I think he got away with was changing the look of Jaws. He kind of has that Freddy Krueger face for half the movie, a bit of a Two-Face, a bit, a bit of a Phantom of the Opera look. But I don't necessarily dislike it either. I want something different from this sequel. I love Jaws 1. I go watch Jaws 1 for what it is. I want Jaws 2 to kind of show me something new, give me something more, up the body count, all that kind of thing. I, I Look, I agree, Mike, but... I think it doesn't do that enough then, right? Like it straddles too much of wanting to be in the world of the first Jaws and continue that. I would pr- actually prefer a unique story here where we could start with the suspense and ha- like carry the same suspense from the first Jaws, but maybe a different island, maybe one of the characters is the same. I feel like bringing... So look, I love all those characters in Jaws, like the mayor and some of the townspeople. I love that we get them back, but... At times, it feels like a cash grab, the fact that they're back. I, like, I don't need that. I know later movies, and we've talked about it, and I haven't seen them, but, like, uh, doesn't one of them follow uh, one of the sons at, like, a water park? or Not a water park, an aquarium or something, right? Something like that? Yeah, so one of them ends up working at SeaWorld, and it's called SeaWorld. Jaws oh. 3D is Jaws breaks into SeaWorld and starts eating people. It's too bad you don't have a, a, a podcast where you talk about the third of a film, but maybe one day. You know, if this one ever falls off its legs, we'll, we'll have that train to jump on. <laughs> okay, around this time, I think of Rocky, right? Yeah. I like Rocky too, but I also have nostalgia for it. I could imagine if you someone watched Rocky and then Rocky 2, they would have similar feelings that I do today for Jaws 2. Yeah, like it picks up a second after Rocky ends. It's literally the rest of the first movie. And it's not terrible, but have you ever heard someone say, Rocky 2 is my favorite? No, no, they haven't. And you have heard people say Godfather 2 is their favorite, you know? So, like, therein lies the difference. And I feel like, yeah, Rocky 2 is more like Jaws 2, where it is more of the same for the most part, um, with minor shifts and changes and sort of, you know, Rocky wins instead of loses and, you know. The shark wins. 
this one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The shark eats Sheriff Brody at the end of this, you know? <laughs> so uh, there's, uh, it's like poetry, it rhymes. <laughs> you might be surprised to find out that the actual sequel they wanted to make, they wanted to call Jaws 2, was the story of the USS Indianapolis. The story that Quint tells in the boat in the first movie, they wanted to make the actual second movie, but the studio was just like, no, that's a period piece. You know, yeah, there's lots of sharks in it, but it has nothing to do with like a small coastal island community. Who's going to want that? You know, you can't call that Jaws anymore. They ended up making that movie several years ago with none other than one Nick Cage. So check that out if you want. True, true. But it wasn't like in the Jaws universe. Like it's not like young... Quint is in the film, right? However, there is a character playing the character that he is supposed to be. Really? Yes, there is. I didn't know that. That guy that Quint is based off is in that Oh, but he's not named Quint, right? Oh, no, no, because... I doubt the real life guy was. Do you think? <laughs> oh, I thought you were saying there was like a secret, like a uh, spoiler alert in the third of the Nolan Batmans when Robin is Robin, you know? Oh, uh, right, right. Like, oh, what's your middle name? Robin. I thought you were saying like in that, it's like, oh, by the way, uh, Jerry, what's your middle name? And he's like, Quint. <laughs> That's what I, I was like. Uh, no, it's not like that to my understanding. Just what I was thinking of watching this. Um, Are there Jaws prequel comics? I don't think so. I'm not aware of that. Because I, I was thinking of, okay, obviously the USS Indianapolis Quint one, that would be great, like a great graphic novel. But how about No Shark at all? I want to see Brody like as a tough cop in New York, you know, dealing with corruption. So do you think Jaws is a sequel to The Seven Ups? Have you ever seen that movie with Roy no. Schreider as a new... Oh, dude, look it up while we're on the air, but... Roy Schreider made this amazing cop film with one of the greatest. It's like the car chase in that movie is insane and no one ever talks about it. And they never covered they never covered it on Too Fast, Too Forever. I don't know, but it's called The Seven Ups and it's about a bunch of fucking hard ass New York City cops in the 70s trying to bust drug dealers. And there's an amazing car chase with Roy Schreider driving through all of Manhattan up across the George Washington Bridge and then up like the Palisades Parkway. It's oh. insane. It's oh. Sane. From now on, Brian, Jaws is a sequel to that. That's <laughs> that's how I'm playing it. He Ooh. got too much of the big city action, and now he had to go to the little coastal community and chill out. That's really cool. Yeah, so you know what? I, I love Brody. He's one of my favorite characters. I heard that you could tell that uh, Roy Scheider's mailing it in. I don't necessarily think so. Like, I didn't necessarily see that. I was reading. He was really upset to be here. Yeah, I don't think that he considered it to have much integrity from the beginning. And they, there was another director hired that they had to fire. Oh, wow. So Jeannot Zizwark is, uh, you know, he came in and they were already rolling and they had to rewrite while they were shooting. So it was just balls in the air, the whole production. Before we go any further, I just want to mention a couple other films that this director has done because some are good. Some, I, some, some aren't, but some are uh, somewhere in time. Where Christopher Reeves is like a really great time travel movie. Really wonderful film. Really well done. 1984 Supergirl. Interesting. Yeah. Wild movie. Helen Slater as the titular Supergirl. It's got an insane Peter O'Toole, Faye Dunaway, Mia Farrow. I'm not lying. It's on HBO Max right now. Santa Claus the movie from 1985. This was a huge movie for me as a kid. It is really super weird. <laughs> 
Dudley Moore is an elf and John Lithgow is like an executive and they're trying to make like a second Christmas. It is insane. Um, Santa Claus is played by David Huddleston, who is like really well known it, later on in his career for being in uh, Coen Brother movies. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Big Lebowski, I remember him from. Yeah, he, he's Lebowski, right? Yeah. yeah. He plays Santa Claus in that movie. <laughs> That's amazing. Just insane, insane stuff. That's pretty cool and all, but like, um, I, I just, again, like, uh, what was I reading? Oh, yeah, that uh, Roy Scheider had like apparently gotten fired from the deer hunter or left oh, it. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh. So, and he just wanted to kind of get out of his contract with Universal. He didn't want to do this. They agreed to pay him for the deer hunter and this film if he just did this film. So he was like, all right, why the fuck not? <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, yeah. Anyway, would take that. He, he got, a, you know, an amazing deal. And, by the way, as much as people shit on this movie, it was a huge hit. A $20 million budget, $208 million uh, box Whoa. office at the time is <laughs> amazing. So this did incredibly well. Uh, people were excited to see this movie. But what's his name? Your boy, the director. I don't want to, I mean, not that I don't want to say his name again. I don't want to mispronounce Jeanneau. it again. Jeanneau. You just call him Jeanneau. Jeanneau. They apparently fought every day and that some of the producers and some of the people from the original film like got them together once um just to like hash out their differences oh man is this uh, are we talking like will smith chris rock territory ooh, to be ooh, a little, going little timely there. here <laughs> but it came to blows actually like the him and the director literally came to blows mm, the slap heard around the world this film just it's amazing that like he's so he's super professional and again he doesn't feel like he's mailing it in but apparently he was unhappy the entire time and and just vowed never return to the series he channeled that energy very well because i love him in this i feel like brody almost grows a bit as a character because he's not afraid of the water anymore so he's way more proactive and gung-ho i think he he's kind of lost his mind a little bit at one point where he's just shooting blindly into the water with a pistol but i it, i couldn't tell that he was unhappy a consummate professional uh now the other factor that interested me very much about this movie and the reason i wanted to have you on for this particular movie is that it is very much a teen film and you have a podcast called high school slumber party and while this doesn't take place in high school it appears to be summer break of some sort it is littered with teenagers left and right of all shapes and sizes i really loved that aspect of this movie and i think that is something when i talk about something new that's something new i like that something new about this like i, I maybe because i'm into the teen slasher stuff right and i've seen all of that and i wasn't expecting jaws 2 to be along those lines and it was that that's what gets me very excited about watching this movie over and over especially that last sort of 30 minutes of the smorgasbord where Jaws just sort of goes wild and uh, hits the buffet a couple times. We may need to cover this again on High School Slumber Party. I might need to give it a second try. Now that I have seen it, maybe on the second watch it'll be a little bit uh, more enjoyable for me. Is this the only Jaws film that involves teenagers? Uh, from what I understand, this predominantly, like the, to the extent uh, which that there are this many and they're this central to the plot. You know, there's certainly no teenager as more recognizable as Keith Gordon in any of the other Jaws movies. I'll let you know that. 
Oh, okay. Did you notice your boy Keith Gordon under the mutton chops and the floppy hat and the and the big thick glasses? But that uh, he might have had Christine parked out back. <laughs> I looked it up, like because uh, you know how I, I figured it out when I went to the Wikipedia page. His name was like one of the only ones in the different color. Like I had clicked it before, so I was like, oh, who's that? Oh. And I, I was reminded that on my podcast, High School Slumber Party, I had Bob Fisher on, and I didn't realize that he was the director of the film The Chocolate War, which was the film we were covering. So yes. <laughs> cool to see him here, too. For me as a kid, like he was the quintessential kid that got sand kicked in his face, you know, from from Christine. But also I knew him from the Rodney Dangerfield college film Back to School. And he just popped up a lot in the 80s playing a very similar kind of energy. Another yeah. movie that I really want to cover that I feel like it's come up a lot with us is The Legend of Billie Jean, which apparently he's in. Also with Helen Slater, Supergirl. So oh, yeah. That, that should be interesting. <laughs> Wow, a lot of uh, weird connections today. Before we get into just a couple of the highlights of the movie, is there any more behind-the-scenes stuff that you would like to mention? No, I don't think so. Let's uh, talk about some of the highlights. I mean, I don't have too many. (laughs) And I don't mean that in a negative way, but I guess this is back to kind of what I'm saying. But I was, I want to say pleasantly surprised, even though it contradicts what I'm saying the whole time, but I was surprised how many characters came back from the original. I was mm-hmm. surprised that, uh, you know, we got the wife and the mayor. How is the mayor still in office, right? Like, shouldn't he have been <laughs> voted out of office after the events of the first Jaws? He's literally shell-shocked. And no, he's like back at it here. Brian, how great if this was about Brody running for mayor? Oh, I like that. Oh, you see, why didn't you write Jaws too? Is it too late to remake this? <laughs> yeah, Murray Hamilton's back. I was surprised too about that. Uh, Lorraine Gray as the wife, but I think she's the wife of one of the producers. So she's in part, she comes back part four. It's all her basically. Like it's her, like talk about spinning off characters. Like she gets Jaws 4. It's her movie. Uh, it's insane. Michael Kine's in there. He said, I bought a house with that money. I'll never seen the movie. <laughs> but yeah, Murray Hamilton, not as colorful his suits and stuff in this. I was a little disappointed at that. Um, I'm just like fantasizing now about your Brody running for mayor thing because... Yeah, run with it, run with it. I don't know. Like, we could get a lot of fun stuff there because now he's in more of the position. Like, okay, when you're when you're the top cop, your priority is just safety. When you're mayor, you got to worry about the business stuff too. So, ah, damn. He starts to sort of turn against his morals or whatever and like yeah maybe there is no shark this time and he becomes that guy and it's like what's happening to martin no like he's being (laughs) corrupt or something i don't know you know not that he wants to be but he's trying to keep the town together yeah there's a lot to do there and how about how about the hooper shadow we get that was just weird you know it's just like (laughs) hey i tried to call him Oh, he's not available. Okay. <laughs> Do you think that was like, you know, we called the actor. He didn't pick up the phone. Like at this point, Apparently he's so he said, Yeah, he said he would not touch this movie if Spielberg wasn't going to do it. So no Richard Dreyfus. And, and if you think about it, he goes on to do Close Encounters with Spielberg. It, he was less about Jaws and more about working with Spielberg. Yeah. The director also brought back the guy who plays the deputy because when he got there he was like where's the guy who plays the deputy and they're like the director before you fired him really yeah and he is like why'd he do that bring him i love that guy and we're gonna expand his role and he's gonna be more of a sidekick this time that's cool and he becomes the uh you know the chief of police 
See there, she that that's a little bit of our kind of Brody from Air. You have this deputy becomes chief of police. You see how the command chain sort of switches up. You have those two start out of friends, but there's a rift because of the politics. You know, then uh, the the deputy who is now the sheriff, he goes out to fight the shark. <laughs> he's just kind of like like a weakling, you know. Like he he's a good deputy, but you can't see him as a leader. Like when they promoted him, I was like, okay. Yeah, this is like being a cop in the suburbs where nothing ever happens and it's, you know, you're more just patrolling. And, uh, <laughs> but like, there's never any hard crime. Well, I shouldn't say that. One time when I was a kid in my town, a guy who worked for the post office dressed up as a ninja and came back with swords and tried to hold people hostage. Uh, and then he went, quote unquote, postal. So I guess every once in a while, shit goes down. But in this town, this so this is what's like so silly about this movie to me. There are a lot of people dying at the beginning, and they're like, oh, no, it's just a boating accident. Oh, no, it was this. Oh, no, it was that. People die all the time. It's like, uh, your island doesn't have a big population, sir. You cannot keep dismissing deaths. Like, four people die in a week. Even if it's not a shark, it's a big deal. Then call it boating accident movie. But you're still, like, not doing your job somehow if all these people are dying. What if in our fictional Jaws 2 that there's a serial killer making it look like a shark? <laughs> That'd be interesting. You know, it's like, it's got to be a shark. It's got to be a shark. But then he like slips up and you're like, wait a second. Like a shark couldn't like this is now I'm doing a Roy Schreider impression. A shark couldn't make this uh, mock. This had to be a human or something. Yeah, I remember from my days in New York, you know. Maybe it's a guy who has some old vendetta against him too. Followed him out there, tries to frame him, make him go crazy. Uh, let's talk about, <laughs> let's talk about the teens though, right? Like, cause that becomes like sort of the main part of the film these are teens who love sailing yeah you're gonna get a kick out of this so i watched the 45 minute behind the scene documentary on my vhs copy i mean dvd copy and the director goes uh you know that movie american graffiti he's like i wanted it to be like that but on the water so they're cruising the strip but they're doing it on the water nice so So if you notice some of the boats like the pontoon has like flames on it or like the sail will have like hot rod flames like that that's part of it that is all part of that idea it reminded me of uh one crazy summer i know you've seen that film cool boat race there with like hot rod elements again i like the focus on teens i wish they did a little bit more to distinguish these teenage plots um, there were a lot of different characters, but they're all, I don't know, there's like the dorky kids. and That's it. Yeah, they're all shapes and sizes, but they don't really communicate differently, right? Everyone sort of seems very similar. They're all getting along, trying to hook up with each other. Uh, everyone's up for a good time. There doesn't seem to be any conflict amongst the group. And I think that that was probably a misstep. Yeah, the conflict is just about like, oh, the girl's going with that guy this time. Um, I was disappointed because in the end... It becomes about rescuing these teenagers, and there's some dynamics on the boat. I think other horror movies do such a better example of creating the tropes, uh, or, or like a showing us the tropes, so that when they're uh, picked off in the end, you're like, oh, that's the slut, you know what I mean? Or that's the this person, and that's that. And like when they're all kind of being stranded, I'm not invested looking around of who's potentially getting killed and who's not you know like i'm not that worried and then they bring the little brother on there too it's just like i feel like the little brother thing was not a good idea to, to have him because that that's just so cheap like a little kid is obviously in danger like it's just such a shortcut like i love your idea like i want this 
second half to be more like Hitchcock's lifeboat where like everybody starts sort of like turning on each other and like maybe one of them like there's no room on the raft so they like throws one of his fucking friends overboard into Jaws's mouth you know like that kind of conflict you know yeah yeah I mean or just anything really that's gonna distinguish these characters is gonna make me root for some and not root for the others that besides just like oh I want uh, Brody's son to get the girl and not that other kid right because that's basically the main distinguishing thing is like there's Sheriff Brody's sons and then there's all the other kids and then there's you know Keith Gordon because I recognize him there's a problem with some of the with the dynamics of of the teenagers but I'm still glad that they're here acting like teenagers and taking the boats out and but I agree that like there could be some more distinguishing characteristics between the different teenagers I'm still glad they're here because they're chum that's what they are <laughs> that's all they're here for is mostly just to be bait and chum and to get eaten by jaws and most of them do get picked off i'm pretty happy with the body count here i counted about seven or eight one lady blows herself up that seems amazing yeah i'd like to talk about some of the some of the kills or some of the other moments like i really like the water ski moment that i'm alluding to where this woman is out just water skiing and here comes jaws <laughs> and and jaws just chomps her down but then he smashes the boat of the woman driving the water ski lady and you know the lady just picks up gasoline and just starts dumping it in the boat then she picks up a flare gun and shoots the shark but everything catches on fire and explodes like that was kind of crazy i wasn't expecting an explosion i feel like the way that the last film ended that they were like all right people liked that explosion let's double it you know (laughs) (laughs) i read i don't know if you read this mike or if it was in the featurette that the the reason they did that explosion was so that the shark could look different did you notice the shark looking different that it had like a burnt face oh of course okay yeah Yeah. i did as well i was just curious because like it's it's not in your face no pun intended but it is there it definitely doesn't look like the shark from the first one. But again, what are they going to do? Like make it a different color? No. So I thought it was a kind of clever and creative way to do it. And I'm assuming a shark dies in all of them, right? It's never like the same shark coming back. Or is the revenge about the same shark coming back somehow? No. From what I understand, they're all different sharks. Gotcha. Gotcha. I'm kind of surprised by that, to be honest with you. I'm not disappointed. I actually think it's a good idea. But I'm surprised that they... It's even dismissed in this film. Like Brody's like, is it possible that they could tell their friends... Essentially, like... So, okay, I'm not entirely honest with you. In the movies, they're not the same shark. From what I can remember, I read the novelization of Jaws 4, and there seems to have been mention, again, now just prepare yourself, of voodoo. What? That one of the sharks might have been brought back with black magic, and it has now cursed the Brody family and follows them wherever they go, (laughs) trying to kill them. But that was written out of the film, kept in the novelization, (laughs) although novelizations generally based on early drafts. So, you know. Wow. That is interesting. I would never have guessed that. Reminds me of Weekend at Bernie's 2, another film that we've talked about on your pod, Mike. That was a fun episode. That was great with, uh, yeah, Zombie Bernie. Loved him. Dancing to the music. So I love this moment, which I thought was like a total burn. And uh, there's a part in this movie where Brody is called to the lighthouse and there is it is just is a killer whale that has just been torn to shit. It is, you know, clearly supposed to be, you know, like Shamu or, or Orca or whatever. And it is to say, no, Jaws will 
destroy a killer whale. Don't even bother. I thought that was a lot of fun. I thought that was the filmmakers kind of um, maybe even like an early example of filmmakers like, you know, kind of like saying like, you think Orca was a good movie because it was based on Jaws or whatever. Like, here's what we think of Orca. And that Orca was a film that I think it came out. Yeah. Okay. 77. I was looking it up. I've never seen Orca. I've only heard about it. Um, It's have you seen it? Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's Jaws with a killer whale. Okay, I was gonna say it's just the Jaws ripoff. It's not like, oh, by the way, you know, it takes place. I mean, it takes place way more north. You know, it's like <laughs> a New England movie or anything like that. But yeah, <laughs> that's so ridiculous because you know sometimes we think films are ripoff and it's not. Like I know what is it? Romancing the Stone was technically in pr- production before Indiana Jones or something yeah, along those yeah. lines, right? It's so- funny you mentioned that. Now there's that Sandra Bullock movie that's basically romancing the stone where she's a romance novelist that gets swept up in an actual adventure of romance and mystery and intrigue like kind of crazy well mike i've been begging to be on jewel of the nile on this podcast so it's coming soon I, it was on the other night and i was like i gotta catch this from the beginning and i, I started singing when the going gets tough, the tough <laughs> get going. that was a big song from that movie well, a- after we did Temple of Doom, that opens with the song as well. So like, yeah, anything goes, but it's in another language. I can't sing that. <laughs> Good stuff all around, though. So I have one or two other moments. Did, is there anything else that you'd like to bring up that you enjoyed about the movie? I mean, not not really. Again, I just I like the focus on the teens. I, I really do like that. I'm sure you have other things to talk about before the ending. Like, I actually like the ending. Yeah, I got a couple teen moments. So I really like the moment where Jaws grabs one of the teens in the water and slams him as hard as he can against the boat. And you hear like a really loud crack. And then the kid is holding onto the boat and Jaws drags him so hard he brings like a piece of the boat with him. That was pretty crazy. I was not expecting kind of how brutal some of these deaths were going to be. I really like the one part where the little boy is on the upside down boat and he's trying to help the girl up, but Josh just comes and like gulps her down in one big chomp. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Some cool uh, teen deaths. Again, I just wish I cared about who these teens were and that's the only problem, but uh, visually they were cool. Now, my favorite part of this movie, aside from the ending, I think is the helicopter sequence. Such a great moment because, yeah, they are rescued. Like, everything is over. It's great. Like, we're no longer floating out here like the Rafa Medusa painting or whatever we look like, tying our boats together, just draped across each other. Like, we're going to get rescued, and it's a sure thing. And then, like, no, it's not. Jaws is going to eat your helicopter and drag you down, and the whirlybird blades are going to go flying uncontrollably and 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 cut all of the sails apart and destroy the boat even more like that that's a really cool idea for a sequence and i love how that helicopter didn't explode because this isn't a simpsons episode and not everything needs to explode when it's destroyed (laughs) i was actually confused because i looked away and then i'm like wait a minute what the hell happened like i just looked away for a split second and i was like oh shit this to me also seems like you have we see this a lot in sequels we talk about it in the show when you just have like the whiteboard or probably the chalkboard at the time and you just say, what didn't we do in the last one that we could do here, right? This definitely seems like one of those moments, which, again, I give it credit for. What other vehicles, aside from boats, get out there on the ocean, you know? Like jet skis, maybe this a, and that. But a it's seaplane, like, perhaps. <laughs> but it's not like Jaws can eat a car, right? Like he can't attack someone. A car that's on a boat, which I think he's done I mean, you want to see this. Like, you just want to see him interacting with more stuff. And I think that that's cool. Because Jaws 
is limited, obviously, to right. the ocean, right? You're not going to be like in your house and the lights flicker and Jaws comes through the window or the front door. Jaws is going to attack you in your dreams. You know what I mean? Like, I think like those are sci-fi films, like Dream Shark, Land Shark, God. Ghost Shark. <laughs> They're out there, my man. I'm sure there's a flying shark one, too. No doubt. Not to keep comparing to the first one. It's okay. That's what the show's about. You know, true, I said true. it in the beginning of every episode, you know, is the second movie ever going to be better than the first movie? And, you know, from time to time. And, like, it's not like I think this movie's better than the first movie, but I really like this movie. So, you know, it's okay. This is what the show's about. It's what it's always been about for the last four years. So True. But as much as I like the setup of the end and I like the teens, it does stagnate a little to me at times. Because there, there's not a lot of movement with them. Whereas in the first film, it's a chase, right? Like, it, Ooh, it feels like almost like, a, not to bring up Rocky again, but it feels like almost a boxing match at times. Very good call. I like that. You know, because, yeah, sometimes they get a blow. Sometimes Jaws gets a blow. And when they let their guard down, that's when Jaws attacks. Like, once they're stranded, you know that Jaws is attacking, right? Like, there's not like a let your guard down moment once we get there. I hear what you're saying, man. It does slow down. That is unmistakable. Like, they, they get adrift at sea, you know? Like, I don't know that that was exactly the smartest decision. They kind of wrote themselves into a bit of a corner there, you know, and needed them to be rescued. I understand that. And I also feel like, you know, if they had explored the teens way more, then we wouldn't be cutting back to Sheriff Brody getting fired and like, who needs to see another scene of him drinking too much and cut all that and front load it with more teen stuff and teen drama and really try and set this more up like that and then flip it halfway into the monster stuff you know then it's almost like dust till dawn it's like hey it's 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 just like a great summer fun beach movie and then oh no we're out at sea and we're all getting picked off one by one there is a fear in that right like there is like that is like a lot of people's fear just to be caught in open water wasn't there a movie called open water oh yeah i think there's a sequel that we got to watch oh right open water 2 open water again oh adrift (laughs) it's i just looked it up oh it has no connection to open water Wow. Interesting. Interesting. We, I mean, we've been tracking that too, right? Like how many movies like, you know, Godfather 2, not that we mentioned that only as an example, but it works the best, is an extension of the first film and how many of them are just kind of episodes, episodic, like, oh, now we're picking up, it's the same title, but we kind of wiped the whole slate clean and we're doing something else. Yeah, yeah, because I forgot what other movie we talked about did this, but now that I'm reading about Open Water. Yeah, Cloverfield, when we did the second Cloverfield movie, it's like one of the ones that was like drastically different. Drastically different, but it's still connected. So this, this again, remind me about what what other movie, remind me about what other movie does this, though. Um, This was originally just called Adrift, but after the limited success of open water they just put open water in front of it so it would be called open water to adrift oh so was the movie even shot and they just when they were marketing it they're like hey let's make it part of this series because that is done quite often where if where there's a spec script that gets retrofitted to be something else it happened with die hard 2 we talked about oh that's what there. it was die hard 2 yeah that's what i was thinking it happened with die hard 3 as well if we ever do a third movie podcast we'll get to that but yeah it's frequent with the Die Hard series <laughs> I was also thinking of god what's the one I was thinking of that was like that too where they just retrofitted it oh, it'll come to me but it was similar to, to Die Hard too where it was just oh 
duh, I'm thinking of uh, the rumors that um, Fast Five is just the Italian job to the Brazilian job, right? Oh, yeah. I was thinking about that the other day, like really hard trying to remember where we heard that and when that came up at first. <laughs> I'm almost certain because I, I saw the Italian job in theaters and I was like so into it and what the sequel would be. And um, I remember just like, really old school crappy uh, movie message boards talking about the Brazilian job. And when Fast Five came out, like some of the things that they were talking about on that message board happened in Fast Five. So I think it's almost a guarantee. Love it. Love it. Well, maybe we could do a Patreon episode of Fast Five and call it the Brazilian job. Oh. You know, the the pseudo-Brazilian job episode. <laughs> or maybe a little, uh, maybe a little, uh, you know, crossover with, with the boys. Yeah, a little synergy with Too Fast, Too Forever. That'd be nice. Uh, so let's get to the end, eh? Very Canadian of you. Didn't mean to be, but uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing against the Canuckle heads up, up north. Love them all. I, I thought it was a, a cool ending in a sense of like, what do you do here, right? You can't just shoot the shark. You can't like catch it in a net. You have to go crazy because the first one is a crazy ending. Like you blow up a shark's head by shooting in a compressed air tank. Like it's nuts, right? So electrocuting the shark to the point that it sets on fire. I thought that was, uh, you know, pretty cool. The only, I don't want to say the criticism, but like I would have upped the ante. I would have had like a horror thing where once the shark's on fire, you think it's dead. And then it gets that one last burst of energy. So you have a flaming shark. That would have been cool. Or at least a cool image, right? Cool. That would have been amazing. A flaming Jaws, like in the water, going after Brody with its final death gasp, <laughs> reaching for him on fire. Oh, that would have been amazing with his eyes smoking. And the only thing I was thinking was like, they're going to be eaten for weeks with this shark meat. They're good to go. <laughs> Cooked up. I, I kind of like him. I, him. I kind of like the shark getting electrocuted a little more than being exploded because for some reason, even as a kid, not that I don't like it, it just seemed like the, it's going to sound funny in Jaws, but like the one fantastical moment in Jaws 1 is the fact that it blows up at the end somehow, some way. And I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but just like, it seemed like, oh yeah, right. Like it's a movie. They got to figure out a way to, to kill the shark. I feel like electrocuting the shark would actually work, you know, like you could actually do something like that in reality somehow. Not necessarily this way I, I feel like they might have had to kind of reverse engineer that sequence as well coming up with the whole cable island idea just to be able to have a live wire out there in the middle of the ocean somewhere for the shark to bite down on that was kind of clever yeah they yeah uh, you know they tease it earlier we don't want to pull at this the whole town could you know lose power you know and then it comes to play it's like you said it might be better than the first Jaws. It wouldn't have made sense in the first Jaws. But yeah, it's the whole chalkboard conversation. How do we kill Jaws? Well, let's see. You know, we've blown them up. Electricity. Let's go with that. I, I don't know how Jaws dies in the, uh, the other films, but I could imagine this being a challenge of how do you kill Jaws. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Yeah, and I also feel a little more tension here you have the kids around right and if any of them fall in the water while jaws is getting electrocuted like they're probably going to die too right like how does that work like i don't understand science enough to be like all right jaws is chewing on a live wire in the middle of the ocean how many other fish are getting electrocuted around him is it working like that like i know the little kid is in like a rubber raft so he's probably good to go and everyone else is like on the island but sheriff brody is not like i don't exactly understand is it just 
movie magic. <laughs> Even the compressed air like doesn't blow up like that, right? Like it's just yeah, movie magic. That's running through my mind. <laughs> like, I'm still getting like a reaction, even though I know I'm being irrational. I like the concept of of Cable Junction. It's like this island out in the middle of the water with the sort of like the power station, and they run the big cable to the mainland. Like that's that that probably they probably do that places in reality and stuff, and that just seems like a like a cool thing just to like work into the plot, you know, and just be like, Hey, what if, you know, some of these small towns have their generators out, you know, in the ocean shit. What if we did something with the cable? Yeah. Again, I just think it's as simple as electricity. Let's find a way to work it in. I would like for a Jaws one day, if they make more of them, like they capture Jaws instead. Like, does that ever happen? No, not necessarily. Somewhat in Jaws 3D because he swims into SeaWorld. So he gets into sort of captivity and then breaks out and back and forth and that kind of thing. But an idea that was kind of in the pipeline, if I recall, for a long time that uh, for a sequel to Jaws, maybe Jaws 5, uh, was going to be what ended up becoming Deep Blue Sea, which takes place at a shark research facility, which was going to have, I guess, Hooper, the character Hooper, be the main character in that movie from the original series. But I don't know all of the information about that, but that's just like a rumor that I've heard over the years is that uh, there was a chance at one time that quite possibly that movie would have been a Jaws. Of course, there's Deep Blue Sea too, apparently. There must be. That's something I like a little more about the older sequels than the newer ones is that everyone's doing them now. Like it's almost expected. Like they're making the second one you know, before the first one's even out of the theater. And that's fine and all, but there's something about back in the day when there was no real formula to a sequel and they were still trying to figure it out. And sometimes it was a direct continuation and sometimes it wasn't. And sometimes it was half and half. And it's just interesting to go back in time and uh, and check out the way that the studios were thinking back then. Definitely, definitely. This is, uh, again, an earlier in the sequel trajectory for like this type of sequel, especially one of the only ones at the time that was called Two, right? Yeah, yeah. Because even the Planet of the Apes and the James Bond movies and going even going back to the old series of like Sherlock Holmes and Charlie Chan, like they were never numbered. Yeah, or Pink Panther even, right? Pink Panther even. Yeah, great call. Uh, Well, I I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of Second Time Around. Brian, is there anything else you'd like to say about Jaws 2, your very first screening of it? Uh, Definitely want to cover it again on High School Slumber Party. Maybe we'll bring Kyle Reinfried in of his successful and prolific show on the Cage Club Podcast Network, Beverage Time. Love Beverage Time. I could use a tasty beverage right about now. Me too. And he's uh, you know, he's been what three episodes a week now, so I don't know if he'll have the time for us, but when if he does, I know he's a big Jaws fan, so maybe he'll bring him on High School Slumber Party there. Also, Mike, we have to promote the new show coming out, Corey's on Cars. Oh yeah. Crossover show. I'm so excited about this. You know we talk the Corey's on High School Slumber Party. So uh, we're gonna be combining that with a Too Fast, Too Forever, guys. Because there's so many Corey films that have to do with Cars, we figured, why not? The Corey series is the most popular series on the Cage Club Podcast Network right now. (laughs) We have to continue. We have to do more. We just have to milk it because that's what the fans want out there. So uh, can't wait for that. Stay tuned for that. Um, Yeah, so that's what I have to promote. Great. Yeah. And so, you know, there's just so many shows now on the network. It's hard to keep track of all these new shows, all these old shows. My, this, this show, it's 
that's been going on for years, you know, and uh, my new show that's been going on for only about one year with my co-host Dan Cologne, The Monsters That Made Us, the last Friday of every month where we look at the uh, original Universal Monster movies. Maybe one day we'll get to the original Jaws on that series. I would very much like to consider Bruce the Shark, at least the first Jaws, a member of the monster pantheon at Universal up over there if he ever gets up on the uh, Mount Rushmore or whatever you have you. Other than that, you know, I guess, Brian, there might only be one thing left to say at the end of this episode. April, April Fools. Fools.